1: Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpresscom Amex.
2: Tennis, swimming, lacrosse—whatever you need me to play, I'm gonna go do it. If it's some money on
0: the line, I'm gonna go do it. You like it? You think Cleveland's cool? I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation.
2: But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna uh, freeze. Wait, them. not a game. Not a, not a, not the game that I go out there and and die for. Again, the Points in the Pay Podcast presented by Stadium. And this time we went all the way down to the what? Southwest division? That's the Southwest, right? Southwest, Southwest Division. Southwest Division to talk about the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder. And what better way to do that other than to bring on Mr. Brandon Rabar, right? That's how I said it, right?
3: Yeah, you know that y you did it a lot all better right, than perfect. all my uh, elementary and high school teachers did. Yeah, they all <laughs> 100, it. It. yeah. It was, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so, my man, Brandon, he covers the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's the beat writer for the Daily Thunder. Sir, welcome to the Points in the Pain podcast. How you doing?
3: Good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to start this season. Uh, you know, there's a lot of opinions about the Thunder out there, but I'm here to kind of set the record straight.
2: Okay, well, let's set the record straight then. First thing first, how are the Thunder looking so far throughout training camp?
3: Yeah, no, I just say that because a lot of like, you know, kind of like the narrative nationally is like, you know, the Thunder kind of like the, uh, I don't know, the poster child for, for tanking and for being a bad team and things like that. But here in OKC, like fans are actually really excited about this team, obviously, Shane Gilgis-Alexander seems to be kind of like to hear. everybody's favorite trade target. You know, everybody seems to want him. Uh, Josh Giddy had a great rookie year. He's coming back. There was a lot of excitement about Chet Holmgren. And, you know, obviously he's out for the year now, so that's a big bummer. But they have a couple other lottery rook- rookies and Jalen Williams and Ushman Jang. Trey Mann has been getting a lot of uh, kind of training camp and preseason hype and buzz. Okay. so you know it's a young team uh you know you guys covering uh this, the 76ers uh i'm sorry you you're i saw earlier that you're you're also going to talk to the 76ers today right that's yes. what it was so you know they the whole trust the process thing that's kind of what's going on here in OKC. and this is going to be year three of the rebuild uh but yeah fans are are excited about a team for a team that's you know, been bottom five the last two years. There, there's kind of an excitement here about this team. Okay. I'm going to take it back a little bit, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, I'm go a for re- it. I'm going to rewind. <laughs> so let's go back to three seasons ago. <laughs> the good the good old days, right? Yeah, yeah. The good old days. So We all miss them. Brandon, let me tell you a little quick little story here. So the Oklahoma City Thunder was the official team of the Points in the Paint podcast the official team once Chris Paul had arrived. So we rolled that team. We were confident on them. Well, we even said, what, they would make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, we even said no. they would make the playoffs, and they did. A lot of people yeah. called us crazy for that. They still made the playoffs. Why? Because Chris Paul takes another team to a higher level, and he did that. And so fast forward, you know, and, and in the process, he helped SGA. And so let, let's talk about him a little bit. How do you think he's been able to grow over those last three years since Chris Paul had left?
3: Yeah, kudos to you guys, first of all, for calling out because I, if I remember right, ESPN gave the Thunder a 0.2% chance to make the playoffs that year. So you guys would have oh. won a lot of money if you would have, uh, made
2: a <laughs> it, we should have, we probably should have been putting our money where it our wasn't, mouth was. uh, it wasn't
3: officially legal in Illinois. Yet, it wasn't, so. yeah. So, uh, so we
2: could have, we to have passed.
3: Yeah, we couldn't <laughs> do it legally. Uh, yeah, but SGA, man, I, when Chris Paul was here, He definitely took all these young guys under his wing, but especially Shade Bilges Alexander and SGA just kind of soaked all that up. He said it. He said that he just like, you know, everything that Chris Paul did both on and off the court, his play, but also his leadership, he tried to kind of replicate that. And you see it in SGA. Um, He's not a fiery guy, kind of like Chris Paul is, uh, but he leads by example. And these guys, really, you know, for being—he just turned 24 years old, uh, but he's a really mature 24-year-old. And and I do think that he got a lot of knowledge from from CP3 while he was here. And you know, I, I truly think he's an All-Star level talent. Still feel like he probably should have made the All-Star game a couple of years ago. when Mike Conley made it. Um, his numbers—talk
2: mm, about was, it. <laughs> yeah,
3: his, his numbers were outstanding. You know, last year was kind of rough uh, with with. You know, last year he was out for a while. Uh, he, he got double teamed, I think, more than anybody in the league. Uh, he had less spacing than anybody in the league. But as the Thunder add more and more talent around SGA, Jed is going to really help whenever he's, he's healthy. Josh Giddy, hopefully taking a leap, is going to help. Um, I, I think that you'll see, you know, Shea flirting with, with all-star um, capabilities again this season and, and in coming seasons.
0: I want to talk about Chet for, for a quick second. Because obviously he's, he's, as you said, out for the year, had that big injury to, to start the year before the season even began. What, what should the worry level be for, for OKC fans and for NBA fans, kind of what this means for him, young guy, still 19. So, you know, his body can, can recover. And it's not too big of an issue in terms of like if a veteran right. got hurt like that, but right. what, what should the worry level be? He's not going to get his rookie year to, to really progress and, and get better.
3: Yeah, no, that's a good question. So, like I said, everybody was so excited about Chet Holmgren. You know, it, it kind of felt – it was probably the most excited this fan base has been since, like, the Russell Westbrook MVP season, honestly. Like, when they when they got the number two pick, when they drafted Chet Holmgren to go alongside SGA and Giddey. Uh So, then the flip side of that, when the injury happened in this pro-am game uh, – Sorry. Sorry, LeBron.
2: Know, Sorry.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of like a freak thing. Uh, And kudos to Chet, you know, LeBron missed the shot. I will say one on one.
0: Uh, (laughs) Bright things in the future.
3: Yeah, (laughs) I don't, I don't think it was worth you know missing the whole season for. But but he did, you know, LeBron is over one against him. Uh, (laughs) That said, yeah, it's, it's it's a worry from the standpoint of it's an injury. That we don't have a lot of data on an NBA and it happens way more often in the NFL guys like Travis Etienne for the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had it, he's recovered. He looks like he's just as explosive, has a great burst and things like that. Um, you know, basketball is different, you know, it's kind of like this little ligament in the middle of your foot. And when you're jumping and, and leaping and, and things like that, you use it differently than football players do, uh, there's just not a lot of history in the NBA. So I've talked to doctors. I've talked to foot doctors because, like, I'm all in having to research this. And I would say, you know, I think that Chet will make a recovery. Um, there's a good chance because he is young um, that he will make either a full recovery or close to full recovery. There's, there's always the worry that he'll have some sort of lingering, like, will he always be 90%, 95% instead of 100%? Uh, because, you know, it's it's a serious injury. We don't know. I mean, hopefully he, he comes back and he's
2: 100%. You can only tank for so long, right? You can only tank for so long before the results need to be there. So, like, what should really Oklahoma City fans, Thunder fans, really expect this season? Like you said, they're excited, but what are they necessarily excited about? Are they excited because they believe they're going to be winning or –
3: I, I tell you, after uh, that game the other night between Victor Wimbanyan and and Scoot, I think, I think the excitement is – no, here's the deal. I, I think that it's kind I'm of too cold. I think that they're just excited about the future, OKC fans are, because of SGA and Chet Holmgren and Giddy and all these you know other young guys and knowing that more than likely they'll have another high draft pick this year. I think it's just the growth. I think that they've been a lot more competitive. Than people expected, than even OKC fans expected. You know, they've been bottom five the last two years, but they've had to really shut down like some guys to get to that point because they were winning more games than expected. Uh, the team plays a lot better defense. These guys are, they're a bunch of tryhards, honestly. Like even these young guys, That's a good uh, one, right? <laughs> the, the <laughs> effort is so high. So it's like an exciting brand of basketball to watch, just knowing that. Kind of all these underdog guys are playing so hard and, and Sam Presti keeps drafting these high IQ guys uh so they play smart they play hard uh so so fans enjoy that you know it's kind of like a blue collar city so they they like watching these blue collar guys just work hard and out effort the other team even if they don't have as much talent um but I think the combination of, of knowing that this team's future is so bright but that the trajectory is going up and the team is improving. I, I think is what fans are excited about.
0: I'm a pretty big Josh Kitty fan. Love the hair, love the play. I think Zach is as well. <laughs> hair. Know, great I'm, guy.
2: No, I'm being, I'm being on Josh.
3: Definitely
0: you know, he's, he's going to turn 20 before the season starts, so he's still unbelievably young. Yeah. What's, is there, I don't know, is there any worry or caution about him playing with SGA in terms of them both being fairly ball dominant, or, or is there belief that they can coexist?
3: Both. It depends on who you talk to. Uh, I, I hear yeah. I hear both sides. Like you asked me, I think that they'll coexist fine. Uh, SGA talked about working on, on playing more off-ball this, this offseason uh, because he knows that that's going to be, you know, just a part of it. They're both going to have the ball, and they're both better with the ball in their hands.
2: Yeah, um, see, that's the dynamic of it. They're both better with the ball in
0: their hand. Right,
3: right. exactly. But going back to Chris Paul, you know, Chris Paul and James Harden, those couple years with the Rockets, those were dominant teams, and they were both better with the ball in their hands, but they both could play off-ball as well. And I think, I know for a fact that SGA can be great off-ball and on-ball. Josh Giddey, off-ball, his role became, became, he's not a shooter yet, like you know, the Thunder hired Chip England from the uh, Spurs, probably the best shooting coach in the game. Uh, He's been working with with Josh Giddey nonstop, like two or three times a day in the gym, hopefully Josh Giddy's shot gets better. But for Giddy to really be as good as he needs to be, he needs to be on ball. Um, so, yeah, I, at the end of the day, I think that Josh Giddy can be one of the best passers in the NBA. Uh, I think he already is, honestly. And I think that SGA can be one of the best scorers in the NBA. if you look at the advanced stats and numbers, he really kind of already is, especially given the disadvantages that he has as far as double teams and spacing goes. So I think that they'll figure out and they want to figure it out. Like they're all in on, on figuring this dynamic out. So yes, it's a little wonky because you want them to both have the ball, but, but I think they'll get it figured out.
2: And so, this young team, what you, What you tell me before we started? There's, what, five 20-year-olds? Yeah, the rosters, there's five players, 20 and under, it
1: seems like,
0: yeah.
2: on that roster. So, like, who's going to even start for this team? I mean, obviously Josh and SGA, but and maybe Lou Dort, but who else is going to fill this uh, lineup?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So, going back to the, the youth, Sam Presti in his opening season uh, media conference said that this projects to be the second youngest team in NBA history – Second only to last year's OKC Thunder
2: team. Oh, damn! <laughs> That's crazy. So, uh,
3: yeah, and really only, and he said that before uh, Derek Favors was gone. So I don't know. Maybe this year, now that Derek Favors is is out of here, maybe they're even younger than last year's. Um, so here's the deal. Obviously, like you said, SGA, Josh Giddey and Lou Dort. Those are for sure starters. I would guess that Jeremiah Robinson Earl is. Pretty close to being a lot. I know it's surprising. He was a second round pick last year. Uh, but he's with Chet Holmgren out and Derek Faber is gone. The Thunder's only real bigs right now are Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Mike Moscala, and then there's some small ball bigs like Darius Baisley, or I, mean, I guess you could say Poku. Uh, uh, Jalen Williams, who was the second round pick this year, but he's obviously not going to start. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl started a lot of games last year. So, and he can shoot. He shot like 35, a little bit over 35% from three last year. Um, he's a okay. good rebounder. He's, he's just kind of like a jack of all trades, master of none. He just does everything pretty well. Uh, doesn't do anything at an elite level, but he's kind of a good goo, glue guy to have in there. So I think he'll start. And then I think the last start, I think he'll start at the five. The last starter, you could argue maybe Mike Muscala starts if you want to kind of emulate what the Thunder would have with Chet Hunger. OG
2: his, on the team, right?
3: Yeah. 32.
0: Yeah,
3: right, right. Maybe throw a vet out there with him. Maybe Kenrich Williams starts. Uh, he's, he, if you're going by just like who's the next best player, Kenrich Williams is probably the fourth or fifth best player on this team. Um, Maybe a, a dark horse like Jalen Williams, uh, the 12th overall pick, could slot in as as like a small forward and Josh Giddy moves to the four as far as defensive assignments go. Oh. It, if if I had to bet, I would bet it will be SGA, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy.
2: I'm going to say – What about the one tall guy? Uh, what's his – Alec – yeah, Poku. I, I don't. Uh, Poku? Is that him?
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he's he's definitely a possibility as well. And he started the first the first two preseason games. Yeah, so he
2: was, was kind of so nice. At make, least in the summer league, I remember from summer league, he was kind of nice.
3: Yeah, the smart money might be on Poku to get that other starting spot. Uh, you know, he he was a first round pick, 17th overall, a couple of years ago. He's improved dramatically. He was honestly one of the the worst players his rookie year uh, in the league. Uh, but they knew that he was a raw project. He improved his second year, and he looks to be. You know, he's added like twenty pounds since his rookie season, when he was, you know, everybody kind of like talked about how skinny he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's added twenty pounds. He's up from like one ninety to two ten. he's good. Yeah, he, he might be a, a good a good bet to get the last starting spot.
0: So Mike Miscala raises an interesting question here because <laughs> if he's going to be kind of
3: the old guy. Yeah. It's
0: great to have a lot of the young talent, super bright future, but it seems like common sense would say you want some of the veteran presence to at least teach some of these young guys. Is there a worry that the that there's a lack of strong veteran presence on this team?
3: Uh, that's a good question, but I think Mike Muscala and Kenrich Williams, those two guys, like they are like leaders in the locker room. The young guys love both those guys. They're both you know mature, high character. High class guys, high IQ. Both Kenrich and and Mike Muscala, and like we talked about earlier, SGA really. Even though he's so young, he's already leading this team. Yeah. And and Sam Presti, like from Lou Dort to SGA to JRE, like Josh Giddy, all these guys that he's drafting. Like, there's a new prototype. The Thunder's old prototype kind of used to be the. It was kind of the joke, like the really athletic defenders who couldn't shoot at all. Now he's, now wow. he's trapped.
2: Roberson. That's yeah, the first exactly. name I think of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anthony, well, what was his first name? Andre, Andre. Andre. Andre Roberson. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. So he's, it's kind of moved away from that. Now he's getting these like big jumbo do it all wings. Uh, but the one trait, like the, they all are like high effort, high energy, high IQ. Like that is like the new prototype for the Thunder. So, so all that to say, you know, the the effort's going to be there every night, and and the leadership, I think, will will be fine.
2: So, who do you prefer if this team is going to be somewhere at the bottom, possibly? Who would you prefer, Scoot Henderson or Victor Wimbayama?
3: Ah, <laughs> uh, you got to go with they, they I mean, they would both be great, but but one the ceiling and upside, but then think. Like a Chet Holmgren and Victor Wimba-Nyana. Stop uh, (laughs) Are you kidding me? Like, how's anybody going to score in the paint? Once you got Lou Dort out there on the perimeter, oh lineup would
2: be insane. I've fallen and I can't get up. Josh Giddy yeah. is what? Six, nine, six, seven, six, eight. Yeah. SGA is like six, six, yeah, <laughs> Lou Dort's like six, six, six. And then you got those two towers. Yeah. That would be crazy.
3: It would be, it would be nuts. I mean, that would, that would be such a fun lineup. I think that would be like everybody's league pass team watching that. I mean, that would be so much fun to, to watch. And, you know, Chet and and Victor are like two of the best shot blocking prospects in such a long time. Their wingspans are ridiculous. Their height is ridiculous. Like you said, I mean, it would the the, the wingspans across the board with that starting lineup would be would be nuts. <laughs> Scoot, Scoot's so, nice though too. Scoot's nice.
2: So yeah. we obviously know what Chet's not Chet's not going to return. So who can we expect? to kind of one of those younger guys like the Jalen Williams, like who can we really expect to kind of fulfill his role as one of those new up and comers?
3: Yeah, it's definitely Jalen Williams. So the Thunder have two Jalen Williams. One was picked number 12 overall from Santa Clara. And then the other one was selected in the second round from Arkansas. But the, but the lottery pick number 12, overall Jalen Williams kind of nicknamed J Dub is what everybody's calling him. I mean, he looks, he looks like he was the fastest rising prospect in the, in the draft class. Like at one point he was supposed to be a second rounder and then there just started being this buzz. And he was a late first rounder. Then everybody started talking like this dude's going to go in the lottery. And the Thunder ended up picking him at number 12. The Cavs wanted to pick him. Uh, It's because he's kind of a, he's a great shooter. He's a great scorer. He's a great passer. Um, He had the second highest vertical in the class. Uh, And he's six, he's six six, but he's got a seven two wingspan. The only knock on him was he played at a small school. He played at Santa Clara. So not a lot of, you know, people had seen him play, but like his encore production at Santa Clara was ridiculous. And then he went to the combine and he blew everybody away with his measurements. And he played, he played like the three on threes. He played the five on fives and he was the best player in, in all these like games. Um, and then his measurements were, were ridiculous. So his draft stock just kept going up, and then summer league he showed out. He was great. Preseason so far, he's been really, really good. So I think that I think that he's a real threat to be like all rookie team. I'm not saying like first team or anything like that, but but don't be surprised if he gets like all rookie team consideration, whether it's first or second team. And he's gonna get the minutes. He's gonna get the role. He's gonna have a a role day one on this team.
0: He's giving out predictions. Look at that.
2: You know what that means? That's perfect. This leads up to our final question. Perfect.
0: So, think about everything that's going to be taking place this season. What would you say is your boldest prediction for the OKC Thunder this year? It could be trades. It could be where they finish. It could be how a player does. Kind of whatever you're feeling in terms of uh, it might not happen, but something that could happen that could be bold. What are you thinking?
3: Man, that is a great question. Um, Bold prediction, mm-hmm. I would say. <laughs>
0: um, well, hot take action for the OKC. OK yeah, really? nothing yeah, yeah, wrong with that. You know, like, I <laughs>
3: like hot takes, but I like my hot takes to be like based in reality. So I'm trying to think of like a realistic, hot, bold take. Uh, I guess I would say uh, yeah. that Giddy the will – <laughs> there's a lot of people I saw like John Hollinger of the athletic had the Thunder come in in 15th uh, in the West, which I think is insane uh, because the Spurs and the jazz, I think are definitely are
2: dead bottom. Yeah, definitely
3: going to be yeah. worse. I still wouldn't be surprised if the rockets are worse. Um, Ooh. I, I'll say this, this is what I'll say. Uh, I think the Thunder will have a top 15 defense this year. I it's like gonna it. be the young it's gonna be the youngest team in the league they lost Chet Holmgren, their their you know center shot blocker rim protector but this team like buys in completely on defense and for being the youngest team, I just think that their effort and i q and energy and like I said earlier they're a bunch of tryhards and they were like a they were a top ten defense last year even though they are the youngest team in nBA history uh before they shut down like Lou Dort and Kendrick Williams and those so for a team without a true center and for being the youngest team in the league I still think that they're going to be in the upper half of defense this year like, defense. Okay, I like that. okay
2: so yeah. okay I got I got one more to throw at you just a little uh, if you think this is going to be a hot take can Lou Dort make an all defensive team
3: That's a great question he got votes for it last year. He was, like, on the also receiving votes. Look, he's, he's an all-defense talent. Yeah. If the Thunder were better, like, if this was the Chris Paul team and Lou Dort was Lou Dort right now on that team, uh, I, th- I would say yes. It's real hard, though, when you're a team that's not winning a lot of games to get those considerations. So I think that this year, no. I think that he'll be one of those, like, also getting votes will be consideration but won't make the team. But next year, next year is when I think the Thunder will be back in the playoff hunt, and I think Lou Dort's defense will be even more recognized. And I, I think I think he has all defense team in his team. Yeah, future. me too. Yeah. Me too.
0: Love it. Well, Brandon, appreciate you joining us. Yes, sir. And uh, tell the people where they can find you online, where they can find your work.
3: Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, DailyThunder.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Rabar. It's R-A-H-B-A-R. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun.
2: Oh, yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, we finally got somebody down from OKC.
3: Yeah, happy to do it. Let me know anytime. There are some things that
0: are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select
1: can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome on to the podcast. With we all the way down to the Southwest Division. That's right. All the way down in the Southwest. We're talking about the San Antonio Spurs. So who better to bring on for the Points in the Pain podcast, no other than the Pounding the Rock contributor, Mr. Bruno Passos. How are you doing, sir? Did I pronounce your name right?
1: You got it right. You got it perfect. All Thank right. You. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. How you doing? Thanks for having me on, Zach. No, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Perfect, perfect, perfect. So I know the Spurs isn't like a glossy team to talk about, but I still want to dive in and find out what's going on down there in the Alamo neck of the woods. So the first thing I kind of want to get into is – you know, obviously, up until 2019, the San Antonio Spurs had a what, 22 consecutive straight uh, playoff appearances, and now the last, well, I believe, what three seasons it hasn't necessarily been that same role. You know, they've missed the playoffs the last three seasons. So, how are Spurs fans kind of doing with this new look, like this different, this different feel for the team?
1: Yeah, I think Spurs fans in general have uh, sort of embraced this this new direction that the organization has been in. You mentioned these last three years and um, I think it, it's obviously become a reality check for the organization itself and how it's sort of changed, shifted gears and made some moves to kind of to take a look at the future. And uh, for a lot, a lot of the fan base was kind of anticipating this happening a bit sooner. Um, even, you know, going back as far as the DeMar DeRozan trade, there were reports that the Spurs could have, you know, used that opportunity to, to move Kawhi and, you know, look more into the future instead they kind of hedged a bit and, and, and looked to remain a bit competitive with DeMar, uh, DeMar DeRozan and, um, you know, obviously moved on from him uh, recently. Um, and then, you know, in an even bigger shift moved on from DeJounte Murray last season. And mm. now, you know, both eyes looking, you know, a few years down the road and, and looking to try and, you know, see what they got with these young guys and really build um, through the draft, um, use those assets and, and really try and, um, you know, sh- you know, shuffle up again and, and try and make that next, you know, really strong spurs team that people are used to seeing
2: okay you mentioned how they're going in a change of direction which i kind of agree with you however there's a player in particular i kind of want to talk about kelden johnson now he's shown improvement even since the team usa appearance when he was when he was on the team and they won gold and he stepped this game up i feel like uh, the following season if he plays well this upcoming season by February, do you think the Spurs can go with a trade and maybe try to get more assets for him? That's
1: that's an interesting question. I I think, you know, if if you're looking at the kind of leap that it would take for for him for them to rethink his future with the team, I think you'd you'd have to be thinking something quite substantial. And then the question is why if, if he takes another leap or two why would you not just kind of you know try and build around him he's still young he would still sort of fit whatever that next timeline is so it's hard to foresee um a scenario in which that happens um you know i i think the the team um is obviously obviously treats him as you know a real success story um a piece that came back in that Kawhi trade actually um and somebody that you know has done his time through the through the program and um he'll be one of the faces of the team this year so I struggle to see a scenario in which that happens, but, okay. you know, in in, in in which it does, it would seem to be an extreme one of development and probably, you know, not, not the worst scenario for the Spurs to be in.
2: Now, I've been paying attention to the Spurs media day, and I've heard some of the players talking. I think I heard Devin uh, Vassal say some things, too, in particular about how he feels like and the team sort of feels like The Spurs can surprise uh, teams this year. You know, they can uh, surprise the uh, media in terms of, like, what they can do and what they can accomplish. What's your reaction to that?
1: I think there's some truth to it in the sense that, you know, on any given night, I think this team can you know find can find lightning in a bottle. They can, you know, tap into that youth, that athleticism, uh, you know, wreak some havoc on defense and surprise your average team or like, you know, an above average team, um, you know, catch them on the wrong night. So, I think in that sense he's not wrong. Um, okay. I think when you, you know, put it over the aggregate of 82 games, I think more often than not that's still going to shake out with the Spurs. Towards the bottom of the Western Conference, uh, I, you know, I, I, I struggle to see a scenario where they do crack that top ten and, and break it into the play-in, which I think is sort of by design for this season. But you know, in the sense of like night tonight, I think you know that this team does hope to you know catch a few teams by surprise. I think that would be a positive, you know, for the development and for you know just morale within the locker room over the slog of an eighty-two game season. But yeah, when, when you look at it as a stretch of an entire season, I I, I think that's where maybe they probably won't surprise as many people.
2: OK, you mentioned trying to get into that 10th spot like they did last season. Now, will this be or can this be a team that's going to just flat out tank? We're looking for a top three pick or can they possibly sneak in the play in tournament? What do you see? how? Because based off injuries or anything, anything can happen. What do you see that? How you see that panning out?
1: Yeah, anything, you know, mathematically can happen. Um I, I think you get fewer of those surprises in the NBA just because of how long uh, and how, what kind of sample size you get with games. Um But, uh you know, I, I, I don't see it being too likely. The West and the NBA in general is just so stacked. You look at that schedule, it's just hard to circle too many wins for this team. Um I do see sort of, a, you know, a bottom three in the West sort of finish. And, you know, if, even with the team as it's built right now, not necessarily built to compete, you probably – wouldn't be surprised to see some of those key pieces moved toward the deadline. You know, maybe not a Keldon Johnson, but you know, Jaka Pirtle, one of their strongest players right now, uh, somebody that's been in you know trade rumors in the past. Wouldn't surprise you to see him moved just as much as you know a Doug McDermott or um, Josh, Richards, Josh Richardson type veteran piece that could fetch them some draft uh, capital back in return. And I think that's the likely trajectory for this team. You know, you never can really predict trades, but I do think that you know, in, t- in terms of the roster, you'll you'll see some of those key pieces may be moved, and, and that will, you know, I think help, help the Spurs go in the direction they do want to go, which is uh, a, a stronger draft uh, spot um, at the end of the year.
2: Now, you just mentioned that, a stronger draft spot. Who in the, have you paid, have you, first of all, let me ask you, have you paid attention to the NBA draft prospects that could potentially provide, you know, that boost that the Spurs need for the upcoming seasons to follow?
1: I'm not a big draft person at this time of year, so I really try and catch up um as the year goes along and as that sort of you know that top ten group of uh prospects kind of becomes a bit clear you know I think at this year you're you're everyone's aware that it's a strong draft uh it should or it should, you know projects to be so a good year to be bad, and so I think uh you know that really vibes with the spurs um you know so I know the names um but you know because uh those names do sort of change a little bit. And because the draft odds are uh, the lottery odds, aren't what they used to be. It's hard to sort of, you know, get married to any particular prospect, but um, given where the Spurs are with their roster and their, their, the the holes that they have kind of up and down, uh, you know, a Wemba or a Scoot Henderson would be great, but I don't think the Spurs would be too sad if they end up with, you know, somebody in that third or fourth pick just because of the strength of that draft class again. And because, you know, they're, they're, they have needs all up and down that roster right now.
2: How, well, how would it feel though? Right. To potentially get the next Greek freak, you know, how, how would that feel? Like tell the tell the Spurs fans how that would potentially be. <laughs>
1: uh, look, it, it would be extremely exciting. You know, it, it's, it's it's I think big big men in general are a bit of a wild card these days with their health, but you know that that still won't um, you know really mute the excitement that you'd have. Um, you know, winning winning the lottery and just the anticipation and just imagining you know how he'd fit in that roster and what he could do. You know, you'd get a lot more eyeballs um, on the team and a lot more buzz around it. So from that sense, it'd be exciting um seeing those games play out i think um you know definitely wouldn't be sad about that for sure but um yeah i think any any of those top names right now would um would be a a real needle mover for for the franchise in general so um try not to get ahead of ourselves too much because there's a whole year of basketball but um i think you know that's um that's definitely something to look forward to in the near future
2: are you going to go to vegas and bet on the San Antonio Spurs to win the championship, or are you going to listen to Pop? Which one is it? <laughs> I,
1: you know, I think I'm going to follow Pop's lead on this one. He knows he knows some things. Um, he's been around the game, and he knows the team pretty well. So I think, yeah, I think I, I, I tried to check what the last odds were on the Spurs to win it. But I think even even if he gave me some really good numbers there, I don't think it'd be smart money. So I think it invest invested it otherwise for sure. Okay, what about
2: the chances for the San Antonio Spurs to get the number one draft pick? What do you think of those odds?
1: Look, I, I, think, I think, you know, 14% is the best that you're looking at. <laughs> and they, they, they could end up there thereabouts for sure. It's, um, there's, there, there aren't too many teams, I think, uh, projected to um, be towards the bottom in the same way that they are. So I think they're going to be in the mix. And, um, again, I think that's sort of by design for this year.
2: Great, great. So the San Antonio Spurs are a team where they kind of look like they may or possibly be outside, but I still want your boldest prediction on the San Antonio Spurs. Like, how do you think they'll finish? Will they surprise some people? Will a blockbuster trade happen? Your boldest take on the San Antonio Spurs.
1: Okay, beyond them not winning the title. Okay. um, (laughs) You know, I I think you're going to get surprises from individual players, and I think that's the real fun of this team. You know, I think Devin Vassell – um is is poised to um you know take that next step with Jante Murray gone. There's a lot of um uh usage to eat up and um he's gonna step in there. I think um in addition to Keldon Johnson who had a good year last year, I think Fasel is that next one who um people can really look forward to seeing and and, and show a bit more of his all around game and hopefully a little bit more um of what he can do off the dribble and you know if if he can just show you know a few a few flashes of being that sort of three level score um in in addition to a strong lottery pick and a few other good storylines. I think um you know that's the type of you know positives you're hoping to take out of this mm-hmm. season so um all eyes definitely there for sure and um you know if if he can if he can show that he can be one of those you know core pieces moving forward i think that's something to really be excited about
0: what were some of your
2: takeaways from their first preseason game
1: so uh due to technical issues i was only able to catch up on, on the highlights so um you know saw the score saw um saw what was posted on youtube and Wasn't entirely surprising. Obviously, the Rockets are not a, a, you know, projected to be a strong team themselves. So, you know, right. a little bit lopsided that way, but the Spurs don't, you know, I think Pop said himself that he, does, he doesn't think he can't remember the last time the Spurs had a winning preseason. It's not the results don't really matter there. They didn't matter in the past when they were competing. So it's really all about just, you know, trying some stuff out, throwing some guys out there and seeing how they react and um, a few flashes from some of the young guys, but the team is just so young and um, doesn't really have even that continuity to build on from last season with, um, you know, how they're still they're They're going to have to figure things out how they play offensively without uh, DeJounte Murray. So, uh, I think par for the course in terms of just, uh, you know, not looking too strong. And I think, uh, you know, I don't, I wouldn't expect too hot of a start out the gate because they just have so much to figure out because they're so young and because, uh, they'll, 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 you know, be sort of, um, a little overmatched talent wise, most nights.
2: So you mentioned the young talent, who are some of those guys we've mentioned, uh, Devin, we've mentioned Kelvin Johnson. Who are some of the other guys who Spurs fans should look forward to seeing grow this season?
1: yeah so I mean again, with Murray gone, you're gonna have a uh, you got a void at the point now, so um Trey Jones should be expected to step in there and take a take on a lot of that load. He's um you know not, not not dynamic at all three levels, but completely capable of you know running a pick and roll um setting team teammates up and has a really strong you know floater game uh can can finish out the rim surprisingly well for a guy his size. So he's going to be, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, how he kind of projects and if he can, you know, take a, a bit of a step offensively. He's already, um, I think, pretty, pretty solid defensively, so could step in there and do some things. Um, Josh Primo, rookie from last year, somebody that people, um, still really excited about, still really young, younger than a lot of the, the top picks in, in this year's draft. Um, so, uh, I think just seeing what he can do, what he can develop into, if he can again be that sort of three level combo guard, uh, do a bit of everything, um, still probably growing into his frame a little bit. So a lot, you know, just physically, uh, able to mature a bit more. So he's really, um, another one of those fun pieces to, um to see what happens. And you've you got the young uh, trio of uh, first round picks from this last year's draft. So Jeremy Sohan, Malachi Branham, um, Blake Wesley, and they're gonna get minutes. A lot a lot of the time, you know, these Spurs rookies, they they go, they they do their time in Austin. Um, you know, they they, they get you know just sparse minutes here and there when um when when other guys go down. But you know, Pop, Pop has said these guys are gonna get thrown into the deep and thrown into the fire early. Uh we're gonna see some mistakes, but hopefully we see um we see some reasons why they, these guys were first round picks to begin with.
2: And just final question for this is for Pop. Do you believe he'll still be coaching this team in the next two to three years or will we see a coaching change? You think he'll step down?
1: Two to three years is interesting. I think, you know, it's always been, you know, the next year question and that's that's been around since um I've been credentialed since twenty seventeen and you know it's you know it's just always been the buzz, like, you know, is this the year? So we're we're I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed 2022, 2023, he was still around. So in that way I, I would have been wrong then. But you know, I think it's it's he's he's I think already the oldest coach in, in NBA history. Um And so you know, put another two to three years, I I I I wouldn't be surprised if he was gone. If, if I had to bet, I would I would I would say yes. Um, I think he's sticking around because he still enjoys what he's doing. He's enjoying uh, coaching the young guys, and uh, maybe he's just trying to find the right timing with that handover, find that next person that um, he and the organization really like to, to hand over the mantle to. So um, I think um, you know, if, if put a gun to my head, I'd say. Probably not around in in, in three years, um, but you know, he surprised me up until now, so you, you never know. <laughs> <It could> happen <laughs> for sure.
2: And so, do you see someone within the organization that could potentially replace Pop
1: within the organization stuff? It's been really fluid these past few years as far as yeah. assistants that have been around, and then you know they they make the decision to move on to something else. So a lot of those names that um, have come up and uh, found those head coaching jobs, you know, and, and, um, uh, and so there, there's names that are in-house. Uh, Brett Brown's recently come back um, to be to be a part of the bench. Um, you hear names outside the organization like Quinn Snyder, who um, recently stepped out of um, Utah and um, was a part of the, the, the Austin Spurs program. So wouldn't be surprised. Uh, if I had to put my money, I'd probably say – Somebody like that makes a little bit more sense than the names internally. But, um, you know, maybe 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 Brett Brown sort of cements himself in, um, in the next a uh, year or two.
2: Maybe Becky Hammond. Maybe she comes back.
1: Hey, you know, <laughs> that, that that's that was, you know, one of those front runners for a while that people thought and, you know, eventually moved on. So I imagine if she if she was going to be it, she she probably wouldn't have moved on. But, you know, if, if she did, and, you know, she's added more to her resume recently. So um, I don't think you'd see too many people complaining for sure
2: real, man, I appreciate you coming on the Points in the Paint podcast. Do me a favor and tell everyone where they can find all of your work.
1: You um, can find all my work at Pounding the Rock. We are the Spurs uh, page on SB Nation. And, um, yeah, no, a lot of good writing there, tons of uh, good content throughout the year. So, um, yeah, be sure to follow us and see, uh, see what it's like to, to follow the Spurs through a slightly different lens this year.
2: Anything else you want to plug before you go? No, no.
1: Okay. <laughs> I wish I had something. No, sadly, that's uh, that's that's where all the efforts are right now. But um no, no, that, that's it. So everything you can find there.
2: All right. Sweet. There you have it, folks. Bruno, it was great to have you on the points in the paint podcast to talk to San Antonio Spurs. We'll see what happens this upcoming season and we'll see you next time. I'll probably reach out again throughout the uh throughout the season.
1: Please do. No, thanks for having me. It's been great.